We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're listening to this podcast, you're obviously a passionate Dynasty fantasy football player. You probably have already participated in startup drafts in 2022. Don't worry, we don't judge you here. I've already done three startup drafts myself as of late February. On this episode, we're going to discuss players that are on the rise in our dynasty rankings and average draft position. My guest today is Joe Bartle of Rotowire. He's a knowledgeable and sharp fantasy football analyst, one of the best that I know. He successfully manages to think outside of the consensus without being a contrarian for the sake of being different. Joe always has sober takes backed up by rational observations. Joe told me he's been digging into the business of sports over the last couple of years, trying to get to know the salary cap and how it impacts NFL teams and how that cap can actually shape the fantasy football landscape. Understanding the salary cap is an untapped edge that fantasy managers can use to help us form values. I know you will enjoy this dynasty conversation I had with my friend and colleague at Rotowire, Joe Bartle. I got this note the other day from somebody I know, and it said something about like dynasty players are idiots. Yeah, yeah, that might that might have been uh, that might have been me when I said that. I, I mean, you know what? The the reason I'm laughing is because it's kind of true. Uh, explain what you meant about it, because I want to see if we're if we're on the same page here. Like, what did give context of that statement and why you actually made so, it? So, so when I said it, I was thinking there's just too much of a dynasty hive mind just all together. Like one person says this one thing, and then everyone thinks it, and it's like, okay, let's have some independent thoughts first off, and independent strategies not that i'm always a zero rb guy in fact you know i'm, I'm furthest from that in redraft leagues but there is that's like a counter strategy whenever i'm listening to dynasty podcasts or hearing other people it's like they're all saying the same thing go ahead and get the rookie guys trade all your uh 26 to 28 year old guys and then it's good to go you'll be you'll be having a great team for years to come it's like no it, there's there's a lot of different ways to skim this dynasty cat and i don't hear them enough so yeah i think at times there's this hive mind of people discussing dynasty ideas and they're all thinking they're saying something smart and unique and in reality it, it's it's the exact same thing i've heard from 30 different other platforms and unfortunately you know maybe i'll be the same way that says that too like i'll say i'll say the same thing uh that we've heard a million times yeah, no, no, what what you're talking about, there's actually a name for it, okay? So it's called sexy roster syndrome. 
<laughs> yeah, I've heard you mention that already. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and it's a real thing. It's a real thing. And it's, you know, you've heard, you know, productive struggle was like a, a cool concept when people started talking about it. Hey, I'm going to, during the startup draft, I'm going to rebuild. I'm going to get all young, you know, rookies, sexy players. And then in three years from now, Joe, I'm going to have a championship team. Most leagues fold before that. And then, right, by the yes. way, a lot of those players never come to fruition. And I think that's where a big leak in a lot of dynasty players games. So if you can get to some of these dynasty leagues, there's really only about like seven people competing for a championship versus your redraft league right. where everyone's trying to cut each other's throat to get to the, to the championship gold there. Yeah, I heard on a different podcast, or I get this one on a different one, uh, that you've done like 30-something redraft <laughs> dynasty. And I'm not redraft, but you've done 30 different dynasty startups. That's ridiculous to me. Like, I, I thought I had a serious issue. Uh, you, you have even more issues than me, my friend. Yeah, no, it's a little bit of a sickness because this is the problem. It's like you go through these dynasty startup drafts, right? And then you're like, ooh, if I just had one more chance to do it a little better, I know I can dominate. And then you get in again and you start gravitating towards similar players that you like when you're, because I mean, that's really how you test your dynasty rankings, right? When you're on sure. the clock and there's yeah. money involved. So uh, I'm here with Joe Bartle today. I'm Alan Sislaski. We're going to be talking dynasty fantasy football risers a little bit later on guys that we're both seeing shoot up uh, the, the, the rankings, the ADP, some of them for good reason, some of them for not. We'll pick apart all those different things. But uh, so you did mention that I was in multiple leagues. Mm -hmm. are you, how many dynasty leagues are you in right now? Yeah, and that was the other part I want to talk about. Like I've I've been listening to podcasts quite a bit um, and taking a lot of the ideas. And oh yeah, this applies. Wait a minute, I'm in dynasty owners where it's keeping track of the legitimate salaries, the real life salaries of players mm. that doesn't necessarily apply to the strategy that we're talking about here. Or I love the auto new format and there've been, and both these guys are title sponsors. So I've, I've found our ways into the podcast by that means. Um, and I like, that's more or less a keeper one that incorporates salary involved as well too. And then there's some Debbie formats. So I've done a lot of different unique leagues. I, I'm in, I would say three basic Dynasty leagues. We have one mm -hmm. at the Rotoware office. Uh, I do one with my friends and family, and then there's one that it's kind of more of an industry experts one, uh, and then four other unique dynasty experiences. I love the dynasty format. I think that's one of my favorite ways to play. But I, I almost get too bored with the all right. Let's go ahead and draft Trey Lance in round two. Let's go ahead and get Najee Harrison. Like I, I want more fluidity with it and maybe that makes it less of a dynasty experience than some are looking for and that's totally fine but for me it's more of a challenge and there's more intricacies involved with that uh and that's why i like those types of dynasty formats more well you, you just hit on something really important that i want to underline the the best way to tell if someone has the dynasty sickness is look at the dynasty rankings and then look at like when the redraft rankings come out in like june july even sometimes right. may now and then when you see those big gaps that's how you know that someone's overvalued or undervalued. And you talked about Trey Lance. Okay, right now, we don't even know if Trey Lance is even going to start week one. I mean, right. he probably is, but I, I can't say. I, he right. should is my answer. He should, right. But, you know, what is there, a 10% chance that it's not him? <laughs> right? Oh, I'm, yeah. I, well, I think that's even – I think it's actually – even Greater, more right? likely that not necessarily uh, Trey Lance, but uh, oh, I'm sorry, not Jimmy Garoppolo. It could be somebody else. I mean, we've heard those. I think their joke – um, rumors, but there's still a little bit of smoke uh, with like Tom Brady returning to the 49ers coming off of uh, retirement. And, and there's going to be a quarterback carousel of sorts. And if you're the 49ers, do you, do you really want to put your 
uh, franchise future and Super Bowl aspirations, legitimate ones at that, in the hands of a guy that uh, played D two football. Like I, I just like that's I can understand if the 49ers took a look at Trey Lance throughout the season, we're like, yeah, you know what? We could we can find a veteran guy and capitalize on the on the potential value that Trey Lance has. So no, no, I you said ten percent. I would say more like fifteen, twenty percent that he doesn't start or even play at all next season. I think it's entirely possible, um, unlikely but possible. I was being charitable when I said 10%. You're smart to, you know, the real percentage is probably like 20%, right? One in five chance that he's not the starting quarterback. But that said, back to the original point was he's going on the one-two turns in super flex leagues and Russell Wilson's going in the third round. So, I mean, you know, you would not make a bet with anybody unless you were on the Russell Wilson side who's going to have more fantasy points over the next two seasons. Oh, for sure. And I want to be clear, I I really – really like Trey Lance. I think he was my number two quarterback last year. Like I, I thought Trevor Lawrence was as can't miss as everyone else did. And, and I still don't believe we're wrong on that. I think Urban Meyer is just that big of a, a dummy that we've, we've messed up a surefire thing like Trevor Lawrence. And then Trey Lance was pretty close at number two. I thought the possibility from a fantasy perspective with his rushing floor. Um, and I've, I've heard uh, from sources around the league that he's a really, really smart player. And that I thought would mold so well with Kyle Shanahan's offense. The fact that, he got a year of development and waiting behind, I thought was only an added benefit. So I, I really like Trey Lance. And I think if he were to play this year, he is going to be successful, but there is a bit of a disconnect between the possibility of him playing and the actuality of it. And I, I don't think people are, are really recognizing that from a fantasy perspective, at least in a redraft. Um, like I was seeing him at quarterback uh, 13 or four, uh, 12. When we were doing underdog. I, I did an underdog, underdog redraft last night. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Matthew Stafford was going after him. And, and the same problem happened last year, too, when all the fancy dummies were pushing up Trey Lance. Like, he can win you your league in week 10 when he's starting. You're like, okay, yeah. he has to actually start. I mean, that it has to actually. And it didn't. It never happened. And, like, Justin Fields was getting that same push up, too. And he never really capitalized on the momentum either. And I think those people were wrong and just trying to be on the the hype train early enough that they could say, yeah, yeah I told you so. Because there's no repercussions for being wrong. Um, that same thing was happening with Javante Williams, and they did get that right. But I don't know. I, like, I, there's some frustrations I have with the fantasy community, uh, and that's right. That's where the uh, dynasty players or idiots kind of stemmed from a little bit. Yeah, you call them frustrations. I, I see it as an edge. And that's true. I, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've this. So in the couple startups that I did this year, yes, I know. We'll, we'll talk about my uh, startups anonymous later. We'll we'll start that group. <laughs> Hi, I'm Alan, and I have a problem. And I did two startups this year, and that was my strategy going in. And obviously, anyone doing a startup in January or February, right. these are going to be rookie bros, right? These are going to be hipster. I got to have Trey Lance at pick eight overall. So, I mean, you got to see my team. It is the most loaded. Unsexy. You had Derek Henry in the third round, right? If I was remember correctly, fifth round, fifth, fifth round, yeah. fifth round. I, I mean, get that Derek Henry had injury concerns, uh, mm-hmm. and and the workload has been absolutely insane. He is going to go down as one of the best running backs of all time, and I think we have still another two or three year window where he's going to add to that resume. I'm I'm not concerned in the slightest. Actually, I took Derek Henry in that underdog draft that I did last night, and and I followed what up. Number, uh, what number pick was he? Did four. He I took him number four, four. and, and it was like him. Cooper Cup three. I think Christian McCaffrey went two. Now I'd imagine if it was an underdog and the platform is really quick and it's already preset. Maybe that person doesn't take Christian McCaffrey number two anyway, but still it's like, Oh, I, I, I think what the value that Derek Henry is going to have for multiple seasons, not just this season, multiple seasons is, is astronomical. Like a fifth round pick on him is ridiculous. And, you know, I, I would want to see the other running backs that were taken before him. There's maybe four 
maybe for that taken, which is why I tell myself I just shouldn't be doing a a like a, a restart dynasty league because I have just different values altogether. But no, you should because that's the edge right there, Joe. So like, and that's what I'm saying. Like, if if everyone here is going to push Derrick Henry down to RB fifteen. <laughs> I'll take it. Well, why not? Go. Yeah. And you're not really forfeiting. Like, okay, if you're picking Derrick Henry in the third round, you're forfeiting potentially some uh, younger guy capitalizing it and becoming the next. There's no next. Uh, there's no John, uh, next Derrick Henry. There is a next Jonathan Taylor, I think. You could have that. Like, you're forfeiting that if you take him in the third round. But I think that value still. And I think you also said you're trying to win a championship every every five years, right? Like, I mean, that's what you're off to. I mean, that yes, I would say that you want to win at least once. If you can win one every five years, that's pretty good, right? Because there's there's 12 teams in your league. Yeah, yeah. You're, I mean, that's good, right? I mean, if you win one, you're pretty good for the next few years. And, you know, it's interesting. I saw a poll on Twitter two years ago, and they asked people, what's your, what's your favorite part about Dynasty? And only about 38% was winning a championship. It that was like 20, me, actually. It, it was 28% was trading. Like another yep. one was like rebuilding. So that's what I'm saying. Not everyone in your league is trying to win, whether they know it or not. I mean, there's you've seen this. You, oh, sure. You get into you get into week four or week five and you're one and four, you're two and six, you're two, and people are like, I'm selling the farm. I'm selling the farm. So I think that's a that's an area that we could expose in dynasty leagues. And I'm just curious though, yeah. in a startup, let's say you were doing a startup today, let's call it a, you know, super flex. That's fine. We talk a lot of super flex on, on this podcast. What would be your building strategy? Yeah. Are you going for the young running backs? Are you more of a wide receiver? But let's say that this the league has, you know, you knew it was you knew all the yeah. people, it's gonna have long-term sustainability. How would That's you go? Cool. And I know it depends on where you're gonna pick, but what do you think right now in 2022 with with the the young wide receivers that we have? We do have some good young running backs, we have stud veterans. How would you think is the optimal way to build the team right now? You mentioned knowing the people in your league, and I think that's huge. If if it is twenty eight percent of the people that play dynasty leagues just to trade, that's fantastic. I am not in enough leagues that people are like that, and it is frustrating. I love trading. I mean, that's that's one of the parts that I would say is my favorite in dynasty formats too is making those deals. I'm in a few too many of the expert ones, and I know you're familiar with those as well too, where it's just everyone believes their values are correct and therefore they're going to stay onto them, and there's no moving or you have to pay just a ridiculous price to be able to make those. And it does it does make things less fun when you are unable to make trades. So I was when you asked that question initially, I'm operating in the assumption like every other dynasty league I'm in. You can't really make any moves. It's it's difficult to do so. And if that's the case, I'll take the stud running back for, first. Like I I don't mind building around some of these younger guys. And and I'm not saying Javante Williams, but Jonathan Taylor. I love J.K. Dobbins. I will gladly go ahead and build around him. DeAndre Swift as well too. Um, really, a lot of those guys in that class, Sands, Cam, Acres. I will be glad to build my team around and take early on. And I get the idea and attractiveness of getting a stable presence with those wide receivers. But just look at this rookie incoming rookie class, for example. We're happy for Brees Hall and Spiller. I mean, like Walker Spiller. and Spiller, right? right? Literally, there's one guy that we're like, yes, okay, I can't wait to get this running back. Whereas wide receiver, there's at least at minimum three. And I think for a lot of people, especially post-combine, you're going to have four, five, six, the Sky Moors. The I would even go as high as eight, man. I would think there's yeah, like eight guys like, that I'm okay with. You yeah, know, and this but... is and this is thinking not even super flex. That type of thing happens every single year, and you go back the last two draft classes as well. It's been heavy stud wide receivers. I really believe in my process as as somebody that's analyzing the the rookies, incoming rookies, and saying yes, I can get 
a safe wide receiver, one that I could build around my team. In those upcoming rookie drafts at running back, I cannot guarantee there's going to be a Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins, DeAndre Swift in future seasons based literally on the fact this year where we have Brees Hall and that's kind of it for that position right now. I have I have my, my pocket picks that I like, but by no means would I say, yes, I can't wait to build around Kyron Williams or something like that. It just doesn't, it doesn't work that way. And I think at running back, that's only happening more. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Last year, my my startup strategy was running back, running back, just get all the running backs. And then I was comfortable, even in three wide receiver leagues, filling in with like veterans that nobody wanted, the Jarvis Landry types. Obviously, you know, uh, some of these did work. Some of these didn't work. You know, Robbie Anderson Brandon didn't Cooks, work. Brandon Cooks is always my like perfect example for the veteran that nobody wants, but still turns out tons of yardage. And, and I have him in the Rotowire Dynasty League, and I got him in round nine. And uh, I remember Mario writing the post article being like, Joe's team was pretty good, but he took Brandon Cooks and man, he has concussion problems and he might not even play two more years. And here he's like, he's been a top 20 uh, fancy wide receiver, both those seasons. I, I tend to think those, those veteran wide receivers specifically get pushed on because if you think about it, um, when you're zigging, when somebody's zagging, let's say you are taking these early round running backs, you, the other person will be taking those early round wide receivers and then want to chase those later round running backs. Back, well, you're so. going to have the open platform to take any of those veteran wide receivers that you want, because there are so many other teams that are doing the same mindset of building around the younger, safer wide receivers. I think it actually gives you more flexibility in the draft itself. And I mean, everyone asks like, what's the, what's the best way to be successful drafting. And I think that's kind of what this conversation or, or question goes down to being able to have as many options as possible. And in a redraft, normal redrafts, that's just knowledge. Like you've done enough best balls to know, what's available later on or what platform is pushing up a person higher on the ADP list. I think from a, a dynasty perspective, the knowledge is just having flexibility to have a lot of different options, whether it is a super flex, getting those Matthew Staffords and Matt Ryans later on, or getting those wide receivers, you want to have flexibility. And I don't think that's discussed enough because you want to enter with a certain strategy, but being able to move past those and, and, and flow with what the draft is giving you is incredibly important if you want to maintain long-term success. Yeah, that, that's really well stated right there. And Joe, as you know, the Rotowire Dynasty Fantasy Football Podcast is always sponsored by WinBet. WinBet, the exclusive sponsor of Rotowire's Fantasy Podcasts. WinBet brings you the latest action, user friendly interfaces, and all the different kinds of bets that you can make on an online sports book, now available in nine states and rapidly expanding. WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. Register for WinBet today and make a qualifying deposit. Get 200 bucks in free bets. Promotion may vary. Download WinBet now. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner of the Rotowire Dynasty Fantasy Football Podcast. By the way, I don't do that long, crazy read anymore now that <laughs> Shannon said we could, uh, you know, <laughs> said that we could improvise that a little bit. But, I, you know, I've actually been on WinBet. It's, you know, it's not legal in Florida yet, but they, they really do have one of the better interfaces. So I can't wait for legalization here. Are, are you, uh, is it legal where you are? No, Wisconsin, uh, we're still kind of slow in that regard, despite Peter Shanky doing the best he could to mm. uh, argue to, con uh, to Congress to make that possible. Um, we, what will most like, Boy, that was the accent coming in. What will most likely happen um, will be a, a situation where the, the casinos that are operated by um, some of the Native Americans, that, that will be where you can go to gamble. And I think, in fact, 
one by Green Bay is already opening up, but there's one in Madison that's not quite set yet. So that'll be the the first part. But you mentioned WinBet too. Like I, I wear a lot of hats at RotoWare. One of the things mm-hmm. I do is write the NBA gambling articles for oh, us. That's so right. Do, yes. Like, the, the, the the combo of stuff along with Alex Baruth and Nick Willen, who are infinitely smarter at this stuff. So I always like, oh yeah, I'll just defer to their bets and just <laughs> hopefully mine don't look too stupid comparison. But we we use WinBet quite a bit for that as well too. Every Friday we do like a, the WinBet breakdown for those, and mm-hmm. I I like their platform as well too. I wish there were more props available. That's Normally, my cup of tea is the prop bets, um, but I do feel like the odds are significantly better and different than FanDuel or DraftKings, which are the other two platforms that we tend to write articles on. Yeah, I, and I and also on RotoWire they have the where you could shop the lines a little bit. Yep. They have yeah, which so is I think that's, wonderful feature on the site. Yeah, yeah, I mean that saves you so much time. So and and you know, we'll as the weeks go on, we'll talk more sports betting stuff. But that was I'm glad that you mentioned all that. Uh, you know, I promised the people on this podcast, we would talk some dynasty risers. And the reason I want to talk about it is that uh, the dynasty startup drafts are happening earlier and earlier. And if I'm really putting my cards on the table, that first startup was in December. I was ashamed to tell you, but <laughs> you're doing the dynasty startup before the, the season is actually done the current season. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, that's like generate material. I'm telling you. It's it's like when a loved one says, you know, how many beers did you drink? You're like, I only had a couple. It was like six, you know. <laughs> so, all right. I, I did do one in December. So but with Dynasty season starting earlier and earlier, there is a need to talk about ADP movement and who's moving up the boards. And you can, you know, the way I told you to frame this when um when you gave me some players was they could be moving up the ADP or just moving up your Dynasty rankings. So the player that stuck out, and I'm not going to do them in the order you gave me because I really like that you pointed out age. Dylan, take yeah, it away. Yeah, go ahead. Talk. So, well, so this is coming from uh, a devout Packer fan, so I, maybe you can understand there's there's bias possibly there, and I and I get the draft class, which also included Jordan Love and Joshua DeGuara, which are completely wasted picks right now, and could have possibly helped us get to the Super Bowl. There's going to be some like uh, animosity that comes with it. None so with AJ Dylan. Like the mm-hmm. AJ Dylan is what Packer fans wanted Eddie Lacy to be. And I loved Eddie mm. Lacy. Everyone in Green Bay or Wisconsin loved Eddie Lacy, um, especially the buffets that he ate at. So I, I like I AJ Dylan is going to be, I think, a premier asset for many seasons to come. And he is going to be at a discount, especially this year after Aaron Jones restructured his contract. We are now set for Aaron Jones for at least two more seasons after this restructuring, which is more than we would have thought. Like when Aaron Jones re-signed with the Packers last year, it was a five-year deal, but really the funny money made it be a two-year deal. So, okay. So can I interrupt you for a second, Joe? So he's, def- yep. he's definitely going to – so Aaron Jones is going to be on the roster for 22 and 23? That that With the restructuring of this contract with the Packers uh, still uh, the last dancing itself for what feels like yeah. inevitable until Rodgers retires, Aaron Jones will now be your starting running back for the Packers, yeah. not just this season, but next season too. That's, that's what the restructuring of the contract – guaranteed i like i there are a lot of things that people do better than me at um prospecting and, and stuff like that like i i love it it's a lot of fun i really enjoy learning the financial mm. ramifications so the salary cap stuff is really like my my well, bread be, butter and and well, that's good because that really drives roster building oh it does i think yeah. in today's day and age like I, the what the saints have done over the last three or four years is something i still can't grapple like i i tend to read a lot of the books that the, get published afterwards on these the bill polians of the world the post gms that uh write these things up and and the salary cap stuff is always fascinating to me and so i try to do the best i can to digging it up and and it seems like the packers are going the same direction of the saints where you're just gonna be restructuring contracts every single year well, and what like, does that mean it's it's like that fr- it's like that friend of yours that just keeps putting money on the credit card and paying the minimum 
Yeah, that's me, actually. Just oh, about okay. me, which, is, okay. which is fine. It's okay, Alan. You could just out me right now. It's all right. I, I understand. But yeah, get, back, but get back to why A.J. Dillon's rising up the uh, the rankings here, especially now that you've you've stated that uh, that Aaron Jones is going to be there. That would seem to depress his value a little bit. That's ex- that's exactly why I find value in him. I think there's mm. going to be people that now see Aaron Jones locked in for the Packers the next two years and think, do I want to roster a backup running back? And I, I don't think that's the way the Packers are going to be operating with A.J. Dillon in the future. Just, I think it's going to be a 1A, 1B situation like we saw this past year. And we know Aaron Jones does have some injury concerns. A.J. Dillon has proven he can catch the ball. And I think that's a monumental part of his game to being a successful 1A, 1B running back because we all know A.J. Dillon is a ginormous, ginormous. I can make up a word for his thighs. They're that big. It's fine. Uh, Are are good at running between the tackles and in Lambeau, especially in those cold days, he's going to be successful in that environment because defenses don't want to tackle a guy that big. Yeah, right. Like those are all the cliches we hear, but the pass catching part makes it so you're not tipping off a play necessarily that A.J. Dillon's going to be getting the run. And that was always the issue with Eddie Lacy. And I think at times the Titans could do this better with Derrick Henry. He's just so good. It doesn't matter that he's going to get the ball 30 times, whatever. That uh, There's going to be value, especially if the Packers are unable to develop wide receivers or get other weapons to help Aaron Rodgers. And it sure seems like they're not going to be able to. I mean, with all these restructurings, they're going to be cash-strapped. And whether it's Alan Lazard or MVS developing, somebody has to happen or Mari Rodgers would be my bet. I think A.J. Dillon still is a critical factor and will be more of a pass catcher, too. So if you're getting A.J. Dillon in a dynasty startup, but you, you're more of the ADP guy than me, but I'm thinking he's around. Well, take a guess. Five, I can tell you exactly what, what round just, six or seven. So say RB what? What do you think he's going as right now? I would say RB 27. You got you. It's 25. You got it right on the nose, man. Right on the nose. I, like you're that's that's RB 27 thinking he's a backup running back. But the Tony Pollard's the world. And Tony Pollard's probably yeah. higher than him because people are like, oh, man, he's going to go leave the Cowboys and be a starter. Sure. Whatever. Just, I think pump the brakes on that a little bit. That's that's a different conversation. I think A.J. Dillon can still be an 800, 900 yard runner and still get an extra 200, 300 yards receiving over the next two years, even with Aaron Jones there. And nobody's operating with that pretense. I think the Aaron Jones restructuring is going to provide A.J. Dillon more value uh, because everyone's thinking, all right, you know, backup running back. And in reality, that's not how the Packers are going to operate with him. I was glad to hear you say that. And when I say glad, I mean, I always, I like when, when sharp fantasy analysts, when they say, when they have a take backed up by really sound rationale, and then it reflects what I have in the Rotowire Superflex rankings. I have AJ <laughs> Dillon one spot above Aaron Jones in those rankings right now. And I have him a little lower. Yeah. And it's this, this was before the restructuring. So I probably should, I mean, they're back to back. You know, I mean, like, yeah. Would you blink an eye if someone took Dylan over Aaron Jones? I mean, you'd be like, okay, I wouldn't do that, no. but it's not, you no. know, it's right. And you just talked about one A, one B. I have him at, at RB twenty three, but I was thinking about moving him up to around RB sixteen. And just to give you an idea of the players I have above him right now, so I'll do the either or game. Sure. You tell you tell me, would you rather have AJ Dylan or this player, uh, Leonard Fournette, unsigned? AJ Dylan. Right. Okay. So now we're moving him up. Michael Carter or or AJ Dylan. A.J. Dillon. Cam Akers or A.J. Dillon? I don't like Cam Akers, but I'll take Cam Akers over him. There's there's too many smart people that really like Cam Akers that makes me think I just, I'm just wrong, which is which just happens all the time. And I'm fine to admit that. So I'll, I'll take Cam Akers over A.J. Dillon with the assumption he will be a factor for the Rams more over the next two years okay. than A.J. Dillon will be. But that's the tension point right there, right? Those, those yeah. two players. All right, so we in our rankings, in the in the Joe and Allen rankings, we have now moved uh, A.J. Dillon up to RB18. 
I, I think that's okay. And, and Michael Carter, I, I liked actually, he was one of those, uh, I think I, I do a lot of the radio hits throughout the year and people mm-hmm. ask like, what's going to be a rookie that's surprising people. And I said, Michael Carter kind of easy because all the wide receivers were, were more or less expected to do well. And there weren't a lot of running backs. Again, it was Javante Williams and Najee Harris. And that was kind of it. And it's like, well, the, the jets suck. I mean, they're, they're going to have to pass a ton and Michael Carter is really good at catching the ball. It's pretty easy to kind of assume where that goes. I think the jets will draft or sign a running back and yes. Michael Carter will be just splitting that workload. So when I'm saying I'm taking AJ Dillon over it, it's with the assumption the jets are adding a significant running back piece. In addition, if, if it was just Michael Carter, and I think he could do it, but if it was just Michael Carter, I would, I would change it around, but I'm, I'm operating the assumption the Jets, who are rumored to every high-profile free agent and will get nobody because they stink, uh, will get like the Melvin Gordon of the world to take away just enough workload to make Michael Carter relevant in that sense. Yeah, well, rankings are forward-looking, and that's all you could do is, hey, these are the rankings I have because this is the values I think that's going to be. And when I when we do dynasty rankings, I think that good rankings project 18 months from now. What's the value yeah. going to be in it? after the next season's over, heading into the next season. And then obviously you have to bake in what's the upcoming season as well. So it has to take in all of that, whereas redraft ranking. So if you, if, if I'm going with the assumption too that a fourth round running back, as good as Michael Carter is, is going to get a backfield, an annoying backfield partner. So even if it's someone like Marlon Mack who gets signed, I mean, that's someone who they're going to sign to have eight, 10, he 12 touches. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, he's not, Marlon Mack's not going to be signed. And again, substitute in your favorite James Conner, whoever it is, is whoever that running back. You mentioned Melvin Gordon, which I think is almost a death blow to any running back because he's good. (laughs) He's good. I well, yeah, but nobody realizes that. So I was saying it's more of a negative. But I so I do the the Chargers beat writing for for RotoWare. I've been aware of Melvin Gordon for a while. Obviously, we're based in Madison, Wisconsin. Definitely Mm. aware of what he's done at UW over the years. And and he was one of those first. Oh, everyone is wrong on Melvin Gordon. He's actually really good. And then everyone was doubling down on how right they were that Melvin Gordon was bad. We didn't score any touchdowns his rookie year. Right, yeah, it's like you never, you never watched him play because he's clearly better than that. Then he became a capable pass catcher and runner. Got a nose for the end zone, like you talked about two weeks ago or last week, or whatever. And that's so true. He's he's one of the better guys at that. Ironically. So is Austin Eckler. I don't know why the Chargers are able to develop these guys that can score touchdowns uh, despite weird body types, but he's another really good name that I talk about that with that. It's a skill, man. You know, everyone's like, oh, anyone can just take a two yard plunge, but not everyone can do it. You know, you you mentioned that we we talked about Melvin Gordon. It's just certain guys you get down on the on the three yard line, the five yard line, and they just know where to wait, how to, you know, bull their neck, how to get through that hole. And like you said, Austin Eckler is definitely he doesn't fit any particular, I mean, the prototype for any running back, but yeah. in redraft, I, by the way, we were talking, I don't want to skip all over the place, but in redraft, I would have no problem. Anyone taking him at two overall um, in any league. Austin Eckler. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. he went, I think five there. So yeah. I, I do have concerns about his longevity and, and sure. the chargers right. should sign or draft a running back. They have a couple of other places that I could see them improving at. And if Austin Eckler is your, is your guy, like he was this year, like Larry Roundtree is God awful. Justin <laughs> Jackson's great when he's healthy for the two games a year, but he just, he doesn't play. But when Austin Eckler has to get 405, 500 touches, I don't think he even wants to, he, he went on record. Like I think in week 13 saying, I can't continue to do this workload. I need other guys to step up. Like when, when that player is saying it, who has a career year and 18 touchdowns, or whatever, that makes me a little bit worried why I probably wouldn't take him at five, but I think he is, he's been tremendously undervalued for the last two or three years. Now I think finally this upcoming August redrafts you'll having, you'll be taking Austin Eckler where he probably should have been taken all along. 
Yeah, I mean, he's going to be a first-round pick, and, you know, after he's, Jonathan Taylor, I don't have a problem with the next eight or ten guys. Uh, back to our dynasty rankings, I have – my first guy that I had moving up the board was Jalen Waddell. And in the in the beginning of the it, – it's he's a very interesting player because even though he has basically the same draft capital as Jamar Chase, everyone dismisses him as like, oh, my God, I can't believe you're taking Jalen Waddell in the third round of redraft leagues and in dynasty leagues – he started off as wide receiver 15. He's already up to about wide receiver nine. I would take him as high as I can only think of like seven guys, six guys I'd rather have ahead of him. And okay. you guys have correctly talked about Jalen Waddle is that they haven't even unlocked the long part of his, of oh. his skill set yet. So I, right. I love, I've heard you break down Jalen Waddle. I want to hear it. And do you, in the Rotowire rankings, let me just see where I have them. I'm just curious. And by the way, you never, not that you would ever mix words. You always speak your mind. This is why I love having you on, but it, I have him as wide receiver 10 right now, back-to-back -back with Deontay Johnson, ahead of Stephon Diggs. Obviously, that's age-related. So break him down and tell me where you would might rank him um, as a wide receiver in Dynasty. You said six or seven names that you would for sure take over. And then, like, I don't, I should, I should have had it pulled up, but I guess I don't know. I would have well, to go through it like the— Let's see, off the top of your head, who do you think that those six guys that I would definitely take ahead of them in oh, Dynasty? So Jamar Chase. I think Cooper Cup has to still be there as well, I too. got him, too. Um, well, Justin Jefferson, obviously, Three. as well. I think Debo Samuel Four. Uh, in that conversation as well. Um, hmm. no, By the way, in, in our current rankings, I have to adjust them. I have C.D. Lamb over him. I would not do that. I'm going to push C.D. Lamb down a little bit. And okay, we can, and, we can, and that's we, fair. Well, let's uh, let's come back to C.D. Lamb because yeah. I think that's an interesting conversation if Cooper were to get traded or Michael Gallup leaves or Cedric Wilson leaves. Mm -hmm. like That offense for the Cowboys could look dramatically different, um, and I, I'll be curious on your thoughts yeah, let's, with what I'm thinking. Let's go but with let's, your Waddle take first. Because, yeah, yeah. yeah, like you um, said, CeeDee Lamb is a whole segment of this podcast now. I <laughs> I, I think I think Waddle is going to be... Um, I'm concerned about Tua. I, like that, that's really where this breaks down for me, and in, in some ways, Jalen Waddle was as successful as he was because he had Tua, and that relationship with the Alabama wide receivers, I think was... A big reason, a big reason why Waddle was as successful as he was this year. He was an undervalued player, and I thought the second best wide receiver from the class. I, you know, like I mentioned that because it's patting myself on the back because I was right, but it, it's it was kind of clear cut. Like it, the people are saying, well, it Devontae wasn't clear cut. Most people well, were. were but I'm saying it, it was clear cut to me. Like, right, that's right, where, okay. like this shouldn't. This was not hard to kind of figure out, and and that's where I got. Like, what are we doing? Like, why why is Jalen Waddle an eighth or ninth round guy in redrafts and? Whatever. That's not neither here nor there. I, I, I'm concerned that Tua will be unable to unlock the best parts of Jalen Waddle's game. And if you're saying Tua, the guy that uh, is his college quarterback and is making him successful, can't make peak Jalen Waddle occur, then what's this going to take for that to happen? And how long will it be? I mean, like you have two more years at minimum of Tua as your starting quarterback uh, for the Dolphins, unless Stephen Ross gets his way. That's two more years of Jalen Waddle losing a little bit more value and, and falling down in those rankings in my mind and becoming, I don't know, uh, a toothless Deontay Johnson. Like Pittsburgh Steelers, Ben Roethlisberger, Deontay Johnson's getting 700 targets and 1,200 yards because Roethlisberger can't throw up more than three yards, and that's where Deontay Johnson shines. That's the same thing with Jalen Waddle, but I think there's less of an emphasis on the deep ball capabilities uh, and more concern that this issue, again, Tua, will be around long-term for it. So I don't know if I take him nine but i'd have to think of really think of those guys there and from a ppr perspective he's he's hunter renfro but better do you want to take hunter renfro but better as wide receiver nine i don't like that's where i get a little bit more worried about jail model's value and i think he's a tremendous talent 
but the two factor really lingers in my mind. Okay, here's the the wide receivers that would go ahead of him in redraft that are going behind him in dynasty right now. Okay, okay. So Devontae Adams, and that we're assuming right now. Yep, that's fine. Yeah, he stays with Aaron Rodgers, Mm -hmm. Stephon Diggs. And who's going? I'll take Diggs. I'm taking Diggs over Waddle. I get the I get the age thing, but this is going back to no, no. I Derek Henry was, round five. I'll take I'll take Diggs every time. Yeah, that that's a reasonable take right there. And then assuming that the Pittsburgh Steelers get a let's I mean anything's going to be Mason an upgrade, Rudolph. right? Yeah, right. <laughs> and anything, but I don't think anyone believes Mason Rudolph is actually going to be the quarterback. I mean, you, no. you know, you, it's, it's, I don't, it feels insulting to our intelligence that we discuss Mason Rudolph as a star. And the same goes uh, for Blaine Gabbert, uh, Bruce Arians. Just shut up. I do not want to hear you talk about Blaine Gabbert or right. Kyle Trask. They have Please to say that. that. They have to right. say it. You know? No, they don't. They, they could be honest, uh, a little bit more honest than what they're being right now. Like Bruce Arians is just uh, stuck in the mud on this one. He could just be like, yeah, we're operating all, we're looking at all the quarterbacks around the league. You don't have to even say like Blaine Gabbert's bad. But you don't have to say like he could be the starter for our Super Bowl caliber team. Shut up, Bruce. I don't, I don't want to hear it. Okay, and for the podcast audience, we're gonna we're going to take a break real quick. Stay with us. When we come back, we're gonna talk about CD Lamb. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back. Stream didn't have to wait. Stream, stream didn't have to uh, like go see your beautiful faces. Right? That's right. <laughs> so I have to remember that. So I know where to put the put the insert the ads. Mm-hmm. All right. So CD Lamb, this is what I want to talk to you about. CD Lamb. CD Lamb is going off the board routinely in the top five wide receivers. And he, listen to this, Joe. He last year was wide receiver twenty. AJ Brown was around wide receiver twenty. And DK Metcalf was wide receiver 13. But those guys are going behind him. Explain this to me. Break it down. And those three guys specifically, for good reason, they're you know all around the same age. Why is, why is C.D. Lamb not getting penalized for his production last year, but A.J. Brown and DK Metcalf are below him at this point? And, and you mentioned both those names real quick. I'll take both those guys over Jalen Waddle too. I don't know where they ranked with Jalen Waddle, but I like A.J. Brown and DK Metcalf. Um, for the future, I, I think with CD Lamb, there's some Cowboys bias. I, I truthfully believe these big market teams, or at least America's team, right, according to Fox, will will have a, a factor in in the CD Lamb stuff. But he's a supremely talented player, and I think the injury concerns a little bit ha- have gotten like a pass when it was fluky enough injuries. I like, I, I understand that. I, I don't know. Like CD Lamb is one of those players that can do everything. And someone might look at AJ Brown or DK Metcalf and say they can only run straight, right? We got that draft analysis uh, wrong with DK Metcalf, but they can only run straight, or they're just really big guys. That's all they can do. Uh, CD Lamb can be a slot guy. He could be an outside target. Can be a deep threat. That's all really valuable, and he is going to be the focal point of an offense for five plus years to come. Which, from a dynasty, is gold. Like that. That's. I, I look at three year windows for dynasty players. Yeah, if but you can actually three years. with a guy like that, it's okay to say four or five years because he's still right. in his first contract. He's going to be resigned. Yeah. So and I'm the way Jerry you. Jones operates with those guys. Like it's just like, that's where I see the safety for it. And that's where I don't know what the upside is. Is, is CD lamb going to be a 1600 yard receiver and a hundred catch guy? I, I don't know if, if if the Cowboys have operated with the Michael Gallups and the Cedric Wilson's, and the Mari Cooper's of the world, and maybe they have to leave those guys. And that's, a different conversation. It seems like they prioritize having multiple pass catchers being successful. And that's including the Tony Pollard's and Ezekiel Elliott's and whatever tight ends also are around. There's, there's a lot of room to pass, but is there that upside of the hundred yards of 1500? You know, I, I don't know. I, I don't think that's there for CD lamb. Whereas AJ Brown and DK Metcalf can get 90 yards on a touchdown on one play. Like that's where I, I just don't, I would rather have the potential upside, the the game, the week winning upside that DK Metcalf and AJ Brown present, whereas CeeDee Lamb, I don't think has that every single week. And that's I, I, I don't know why he is safe from the criticisms of this year, one of those of those other guys you mentioned or not. Yeah, it's it's CeeDee Lamb's dynasty ranking in ADP is a mystery to me. I, I kind of get it, but I mean there's you know, I don't think Amari Cooper is going anywhere. I mean, he's under contract. Michael Gallup, Gallup is probably not going. I mean, he had a late season injury. So we're going to see Cedric Wilson starting most likely unless they, you know, add a free agent of note, which you could never rule out for the Cowboys. Right. But 
Now, you know, I, I, if somebody wants to do it, that's fine. I just never get them in these startups because I'm not willing to take them on the one-two turn or in the middle of the second round in Superflex leagues. All right, I want to yeah, go back he's to like a, a wide receiver too for my teams that I feel great about, and I know a lot of people will never get him like there. Right, right. That, yeah. That's I'll just find somebody else that I think has higher upside than what CD Lamb is going to give me. Yeah, it's crazy because he was. I mean, he was being talked about in the in the rotational wide receiver over one one overall conversation. Like he was in that conversation before Justin Jefferson dominated the league last year. <laughs> and yeah. and by the way, where are you on the Justin Jefferson versus Jamar Chase wide receiver one in dynasty debate? Jefferson for sure. Thank um, you. I knew I loved yeah. you, Joe. I knew I, mean, I, 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 I think Jamar Chase is great too. I he single handedly won my only fantasy league this year, which was the Dynasty Owner Championships with all the other experts. Well, it's like a I, tier. It's a tier. Those two are a tier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, so it's it's funny. Like Ceedee Lamb and Jerry Judy were one A and one B in that class, and then it was Justin Jefferson and others. And the, Justin Jefferson was by far not the consensus number three, and that was another one of those. What are we doing? Like he can run an incredible routes. He was really successful in college. That was an obvious one. And thank God Mike Zimmer got out of his own way by week four and started playing Justin Jefferson the way he should have been because it's been like, I don't know how you can take a look at the Chad BBs and BC Johnson's and are like, man, I got to punish this rookie wide receiver to make sure he learns what it's like to be in the NFL, watching crappy players before him uh, and then emerge like that. I'm kind of glad Zimmer is gone just for that stupidity alone. Um, But yeah, I'll take Justin Jefferson every time over, over Jamar Chase. Another player that you have moving up the rankings, and this is an interesting one for me because you talked about Christian Kirk. Why do you see? Why is he moving up your dynasty rankings right now? Yeah, so this is again coming from the mystery uh, Mister Salary Cap guy. Like I I like looking at this stuff. I don't I don't envision the Cardinals are going to resign him. I think with the cap rising this year, with a bunch of teams you look across the league really needing a wide receiver too. And, and the saints and Packers being two that fit in that category that can't pay for these guys. I, I think there's going to be a substantial market for Kirk, Michael Gallup and DJ Chark. And I, and Chark, I don't, I don't understand his value at all. I, yeah, I'm going to throw some, I'm going to throw some trolling in, in the chat right now, the stream, just so you can be self-conscious while you're talking. Yes. Here. I mean, clipboard Jesus, not wrong. There's a lot of bias <laughs> that I have uh, overall uh, with these players and, and uh, the Packers own the Cowboys. So I, I don't really have any like reservations. I think the Cowboys are, have always been the little brother to the Packers of the last 20 years. So it's fine. But like Christian Kirk, he's going to get a substantial offer from somebody. And there are offenses that I don't want him to go to the jets, the Panthers, uh, you want someone with a good quarterback? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, yeah. there's a lot of average quarterbacks right now that that I think would still be able to make Christian Kirk work. Like, would if you Christian, would you like him on the Bears? Yes, you, yeah, yeah, I would be. Fine. Like, I think Justin Fields is pretty good. So yeah, I mean, there sure. you go, clipboard Jesus. That's my bias. Not looking at it. I think the Bears actually, <laughs> uh, Justin Fields might be pretty good. No, I think Christian Kirk is going to be a guy that if he really gets to be wide receiver two on a team and not. Oh, we're going to have you in the slot and just run deep, like with the Cardinals. Yeah. But actually, wide receiver two, you're talking about a guy that gets 85 catches and a thousand yards easy. That's being drafted what outside the top ten rounds, outside the top eight. Oh yeah, right now in, in a dynasty wide, league, he's wide receiver 43 right now. I mean, like he's and he's not old. He's 24, 25. 25. Yeah, that, that's. I'm looking at dynasty in three year windows, and and if you tell me Christian Kirk signs with a team with an average quarterback, an average offensive scheme, he will exceed that value. Threefold, four, like I, I really believe he will be a guy that you're drafting as your wide receiver five or six that can easily be a wide receiver three. Again, 
I want flexibility when I'm doing these drafts. I don't want to have to be pigeonholed to taking a tight end or quarterback or something. And Christian Kirk will give me plenty of value later on that I can find uh, usefulness when constructing my roster. And I can say almost for certainty, if I'm doing a, a startup dynasty league, he will be on my team because he gives me incredible versatility over the next three or four years, even if he stays in the Cardinals. But I'm, I'm anticipating he goes elsewhere. Yeah, this is why uh, the, so far the podcast that we've done together, you've always opened my eyes up to a couple receivers that weren't even on my my board. Because oh, I, I, I hurt you on MVS. I'm sorry about that. No, I think I <laughs> see. I disagree. I think that was a good pick because he I, you were getting him in the last round of that. Like nobody wanted him, and he scored. I looked at the the best balls that I want because I had him after you said that I did collect them on pretty much every team. And he was scored, I think, in three or four weeks for me. And when you're your last round pick and scored all, and then he scores in three or four weeks in a best ball, I think that's a win. I thought that was a good pick, and I would be back. Nobody wants him again this year. Um, he scored the a- same spot. This is a this is a perfect transition. I I have to jump in here. Cedric Wilson, Cedric Wilson is this year's MVS in mm. redraft right now. Like I I took him in the very last round of my underdog, and I will do it every single time if he's currently doing one. this. And then in dynasty formats too. There is almost no way the Cowboys bring back Michael Gallup, or if they do bring back Michael Gallup, he's injured. It's it's at the expense of Mark Cooper. No, I Gallup is injured. Too, there are too many teams that have money that could use an outside wide receiver one that Michael Gallup is going to get paid regardless if he's hurt or not. Like I I, I don't think that's going to be concern. And I think what I'm saying is that he's definitely not going to be playing on the Cowboys weeks one through eight. Well, that's. I think Gallup's coming back. I don't know if it's that serious of an injury. He, didn't I, he get a? Didn't he have an ACL? I, I have to. I would have to look it up. But whatever. I yeah. Well, we place. got running backs that are coming off of ACLs and playing right. in, in two months because the Rams are stupid. Achilles, not Achilles. Oh, yeah, thank you, Achilles. <laughs> uh, no, I, I think Michael Gallup is going to be signed somewhere else. Oh. Either way, if Cedric Wilson is your number three in that offense, and Kellen Moore's still doing his thing. That's tremendous, tremendous value. And you're being able to draft Cedric Wilson in dynasty leagues at like wide receiver 170. Like there's probably guys that are still in the womb yet that are being drafted before Cedric Wilson is. And I think he is going to be a guaranteed 50 catch 700 yards. I know that's not sexy. I get that. But you are totally fine with wide receiver 137 for 50 catches and 700 yards. And I think Cedric Wilson, either redraft or dynasty, he's he's my MVS this year that I'll be getting at just about every point of the year, especially now. Like This is the one time you devout listeners, the guys that are here right now with us, somehow suffering through my conversation. This is the nuggets that they you're capitalizing you. on right now is yeah. the Cedric Wilson's of the world. And a lot of a lot of dynasty players that are listening to dynasty fantasy football content early on in the January, February, March, they play in these super deep dynasty leagues. I mean, you yes. know, three receivers is no longer enough. Like, you know, they they now I'm in these leagues now where like I have to I have to check the roster settings before I go in them because I get I, there was one that was five wide receivers. I was like, I don't know, that's gonna require a lot of attention. But even in these three receivers plus a flex which I consider a big starting lineup, but is kind of a medium starting lineup in these dynasty leagues. Now Cedric Wilson's in every week. I don't care if it's 60 catches, 50 catches for 900 yards. If I can get nine points, 14 points out of a player like that every, every week, whew, put me in. So I, I like that call a lot. Um, another player that is moving up your dynasty rankings that I thought was, was interesting. And, you know, there's uh, one of my favorite dynasty strategies are the rookies who we liked. And then they don't, really have that big bust out game and then they're they're kind of end game darts you like nico collins this year i think that's a really good name that we should keep on our radar talk to me why nico collins is somebody that's moving up your rankings in dynasty right now 
Yeah, we talked about tiers of wide receivers. Nico Collins and Terrace Marshall are both in the same tier for me. Like, I think if the Panthers figure things out, Terrace Marshall is in that equation, too. I just I don't know if they will. Nico Collins, and this goes back to when we did our, our initial super draft or super flex draft, which I thought was really helpful in, in getting my process set for this. We're going to do it again, by the way, in March. Look, well, good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, after the combine, there'll yeah. be a lot of interesting information that we'll provide. But like I, when we have a Nico Collins, the world, okay, six foot three, six foot four, 220, clear outside wide receiver. I don't care if it is um, Davis Mills or Deshaun Watson throwing the ball. It's pretty easy to project what you can do with a body type of that size and the way he's able to go up and get the ball. And and Jim Coventry, often on the Serious XM show, would talk about Nico Collins as a guy that, hey, he just has to have the situation work out for him. Sometimes it doesn't happen when you're part of a four and 13 team that really struggles to pass the ball outside of Brandon cooks. Like there's development that can happen in a wide receiver. And with so many of these guys getting it right away, there's an immediacy bias with it. I think Nico Collins has the potential to, even after a year of starting, which as young as he was, I think is really critical in his development, being a capable enough starter that has that long-term potential. Like, what happens if Nico Collins gets into the right spot or there is a quarterback that works in his favor or the offensive line gets better? There's a lot of things and butts that have to work for the Texans. But I, that's where I'm fine taking those guys that later on the value that, again, you can easily project to make a difference in the NFL and have a capable starting spot. Nico Collins and his size alone gives me, but I, I actually was impressed with what I saw throughout his rookie season. I think he has long-term potential easily. Yeah. And you can basically take him whenever you want, even in dynasty. I mean, he's, he's definitely a a nice upside bet. You'd take a look at him. He almost has that DK Metcalf type of body. Obviously I'm not sure he's got those. Nobody has that. I mean, like world-class bodybuilders wish they could have that DK Metcalf (laughs) body. Let's let's not exaggerate too much, but the the frame in which he's operating in the NFL is similar. Like I I understand that. Yeah. Yeah. Big body wide receivers are, uh, you know, they're yesteryear, but they still have a, a place for fantasy in in the NFL as well. All right, so I can't help but notice, and one of the players I put on my list is one of the lo- the biggest dynasty risers is Amon Ross St. Brown. Okay, he was he yeah. started the dynasty startup season as wide receiver thirty eight. He's all the way up to wide receiver twenty now, Joe. I mean, the fourth round draft capital is scary, but it's hard to deny what we saw from him last year. Where do you th- break him so down a little you, bit? You Are you in draft capital thing twice now? Are you worried about Elijah Mitchell? Cause he was a sixth round pick. Okay. So you made a, an important dis- uh, distinction there. Wide receiver draft capital versus running back draft capital. So, and let's talk about Elijah Mitchell, right? Elijah, right. Elijah Mitchell, he, we don't think of him anymore. Dynasty players are trying to sell Elijah Mitchell, the running back on the San Francisco 49ers. No one has any expectation of him being fantasy relevant past the first few weeks of next year if they resign Raheem Mostert. And I think it's a little different because also you pay, you know, uh, Elijah Mitchell, he got him in the third or fourth round of your rookie draft. Amon Ross St. Brown is, and you're also, by the way, Elijah Mitchell is like running back 24 in startup drafts. He'll be higher in redraft. I got him in the fifth round in the underdog draft. I'm like, what are we doing? This is, this is tremendous value, but sorry, continue. Yeah. I'm going to say Amon Ross St. Brown, you're going to, in one QB league, you're going to have to pay like a third, fourth round pick for him at this point. And you know, if he goes late, late fourth round, you're passing on. And again, it's who are we passing on? So your point is well taken about the draft capital. But what I'm saying is that Aren't the Lions, would you say the Lions are going to take another receiver in the draft? And Amon Ross St. Brown is no longer that alpha wide receiver. So if you're going to pay wide receiver 20 prices for him and pass on, you know, Devonta Smith or Terry McLaurin or T. Higgins or even, you know, Mike Evans, are you comfortable doing that? 
That's true. So all those names I'm taking over. Maybe, maybe not Mike Evans. I love Mike Evans. That's Me the too. Issue. He's, <laughs> he's like a guaranteed Hall of Famer, and no one is talking about him at all. He's he's like the only wide receiver to have eight consecutive 1,000-yard seasons to begin his career like the, and and also is a touchdown threat. Like that's When you think of Mike Evans, you don't think, oh, yeah, capable and consistent 1,000-yard receiver. You think, man, one of the most dominant red zone threats of all time could easily get touchdown. No, I, I love Mike Evans. Um, I would not take – Amon Ross St. Brown over any of those guys. It's weird. The, the situation that made Amon Ross St. Brown a league winner for everyone, which over the last three weeks, was entirely dependent on both TJ Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift getting hurt. Like if if one of the two are there, I don't think Amon Ross St. Brown emerges the way he is. But she mentioned the draft capital thing. Like if you're the Lions, you're not like Man, we took Amon Ross St. Brown in the fourth round. You know, he might have had one of the more historic uh, five-year stretches of all time, but he was a fourth-round pick, so I'm not sure I really buy into yeah, it. You're point. like, no, your we stumbled point. upon gold. He's, yeah. he's a really good wide receiver and a foundation for our offense, and I think the same could kind of be said for Elijah Mitchell. It's a different conversation. Um, I, I think Amon Ross St. Brown is a really, really capable weapon in any offense is he the guy that should be the main target no was he over the last five weeks yes and by default if that happens we've seen him produce i think hawkinson's really good i think deandre swift is really good i think the lions with the cap space they have and the coach that they kind of were able to build throughout the season are going to be a sneaky attractive spot for the michael gallops the dj charks the christian kirks of the world like there there is a tier of four or five wide receivers this offseason that are are going to be overpaid in the same way that Tyler Boyd and Marvin Jones were five years ago from the Bengals. And and the Lions are going to get one of those players. That does not mean that Amonari St. Brown will be lesser than, and I think, in fact, it might help him be a bit more efficient. But with Hawkinson, Swift, uh, and whatever wide receiver they draft or sign, yeah, I, I have a bit of reservations about him as a wide receiver 20 right now. Okay, and just and that's the analysis that I... I that I'm zeroed in on. And you said it better than, than I thought it. I can tell you there right now. But, and like when you talk about draft capital, let me give you a, an example that might be a little bit more parallel because the running back draft capital versus wide receiver draft capital, I mean, it's similar, but look at Gabriel Davis. Okay, so Gabriel Davis was a fourth round pick last year. I mean, in, in when he came out in the real draft. He might, was he fourth or fifth or something? something he was late. a fourth runner. Yep. Right. And he has that insane finish to the season where he has the four touchdown yeah. game, right? Mm-hmm. Now, if he was a top 15 or a first round, if he was where drafted where Jalen Rager was, we would be talking about Gabriel Davis as a top 10 wide receiver right now. But in dynasty rankings, dynasty players, sharp dynasty players know that you cannot take him in the top 20, 25 wide receivers. If, I mean, if, wait, you're saying so if Jalen Rager had... I'm sorry, if Gabriel low- Davis was... If, if, Gabriel Davis was drafted where Jalen Rager was in the real NFL draft. And so then he, had, and then had, then the had that he had this year that had that game. We'd be talking about Gabriel Davis mm-hmm. as a top 15 wide receiver. Now oh, a first round pedigreed wide receiver that had this massive exp- uh, breakout game in his second year. So dynasty players are dumb, but I don't think they're that dumb. Like if, <laughs> if you, if you had, if you had, no, I'm, 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 I'm joking a little bit. But yeah. like if you had Gabriel Davis drafted in the first round and put together the season that he did, which was what? Uh, did he get 700 yards? It was 30, 40 catches. But had that explosive I, game at the end of the season, no right. matter how, I, how long. He just, just one game after two years of doing nothing, I don't think Gabriel Davis is going to be a, a, a top 15 guy. We'll be talking about him as like a, you got to get him. But we're already doing that now based on, I, I don't. 
I don't think um, the first round to fourth round difference makes that much. The stage in which he did it on and the offense in which he's situated in is the real reason why that Gabriel Davis is is going is being pushed like a huge dynasty upriser right now. And I don't think uh, being in the first round would have really changed things if he had the career that he's had throughout the first two seasons. So let me reframe it the other way, because what you said definitely makes sense. But if he was drafted, if Gabriel Davis was a first round real NFL pick, had this big breakout game, it, I'm not so sure that even if the, um, if like, for example, like he would definitely be cemented as the starting wide receiver opposite of Stefan Diggs. But I think oh, that, yeah. that that's really my point is that, but his fourth round draft capital says, Oh yeah, we stumbled on a, a good player that, that popped in, in a big, in a big spot. But it's, I don't think it, I think it's Buffalo probably will add another wide receiver. And, you know, we were talking earlier. I thought Christian Kirk might, might be a good fit there, but I want yeah, to mention that on the Sirius XM as well last Friday. Oh, I, I would just say there, there is room in that bills offense to have three starting fancy wide receivers for your team. And yeah. I think Gabriel Davis will be one of them. So I'll be happy to buy him. I think at his current price, which is, what, like wide receiver 30 ish? Like, I can't imagine he's being taken ahead of the Mike Evans of the world, which is no, like my no, fulcrum no. of I need to have Mike Evans on my team every yeah, time no, no, no. in these no. things. No, Amon Ross St. Brown is where we started that conversation. And he's the <laughs> one getting he's the one getting pushed up into that wide receiver 20 ish range, mm-hmm. which and I'm not I don't it's too high fault, for me. It's too high for me, but I understand it. You know, I mean, it's it's hard, it's hard to unsee what we saw, especially since he had he showed running ability. He almost looked like a you know, like a poor a man's Debo Samuel. Light, Samuel right? Yeah, that's the easy comparison. Joe, man, I could talk to you for six hours, but we, we did it. We, we uh, were almost at an hour here. Um, I want everyone that's watching this podcast to go on Twitter. If you're on Twitter and follow Joe at JB Fantasy Sports. Uh, you can listen to Joe. Uh, you're on Fridays on Sirius XM. Yeah, so we just finished our last SiriusXM show for Fridays. We have now transitioning fully to baseball, which is great. Uh, all the tweets we're getting, in, why aren't we talking about baseball as is? So those <laughs> listeners are all excited for baseball. It's great. I, I want baseball to start before I get super excited, but that's that's okay to be. Yeah, um, during the football season, I will be on at least every Friday. Obviously, we'll, we'll have some changes, I think, as well, too. Next uh, July really is when we first started things up. And then every Tuesday during football season, my co-host and I, Jake Latarski, break down all the upcoming or incoming free agent uh, pickups to help you win your league. I've been doing that now for the last three years. I love that podcast. Mm. You were able to sub in for us at the end of the year as Jake and I were getting devastated by COVID. Not really. It just was unlucky. <laughs> you were on the COVID the list. Moment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was. I mean, we had a blast doing that. I love doing it. And it's been very helpful. I, I mentioned the Justin Jefferson quip at the beginning only because Mike Zimmer almost had uh, many fancy managers tongue cutting Justin Jefferson. And that was one of those pat on the back, like, no, no, you need to hold on to Justin Jefferson. And, and you know, theoretically it's been great for both redraft and dynasty people from there on. But Alan, I've, I've loved doing this with you. Thank you for having me yeah. on. This has been a great uh, show that we've introduced to the RotoWire podcast network. And uh, I have been a frequent listener. Hopefully I've been it, able man. to uh, add on to that. Oh, oh definitely. Jesus is wrong. I got to interject. <laughs> Okay. D. Eskridge is non-relevant whatsoever. Same with Tutu Atwell. So oh. Those guys are out of my dynasty radar altogether. I will yeah. take Cedric Wilson over D. Eskridge every single day of the week. Book it, clipboard Jesus. That is on my resume right now.
Yeah, yeah. Clipboard Jesus is a known. Um, he, he's he's a wild man, but that's why we love him on this podcast. <laughs> he's uh, for those listening on the audio podcast, where he where Joe's yelling at the commenters. He's <laughs> he, he's uh, he's got the trolls interjecting the with the, yeah. the yeah. That's right. what so, we gotta do, right? Exactly. So if you're listening to this podcast, you love dynasty fantasy football. So what I want you to do is go check out our dynasty superflex rankings, which I'm gonna put a refresh on after this podcast. Go to rotowire.com forward slash try get all of our fantasy content for free for 10 days. Joe was talking about baseball, our baseball draft kits up there right now with rankings and cheat sheets and articles and podcasts and videos and, you know, lions and tigers and bears, everything. So go there. Now you can check out everything for free. There's no credit card needed. Just, you know, put your email in 10 days, get it all. Joe, I don't think that we can go till July without hearing you do some football. So I'm hoping you'll come back in a few weeks, a month, or maybe, you know what? Well, let, how about this? After the real NFL draft and we do our, our rookie exercise again, our draft, mm-hmm. we're going to do single QB next time. Come back on and we'll break down that draft. How's that sound? Well, that, that sounds great. I normally do the, uh, day two post article like all those guys drafted in day two and give their fancy analysis so that'll be actually i think probably a really good exercise for me as well perfect and then what we'll do is we'll put that podcast inside the article with some clips that uh if anything yes when you're when you're tearing apart all right for joe bartle i'm alan soslowski and we'll see everyone next monday on the rotowire dynasty fantasy football podcast This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.